Can you imagine anything worse than being despised by the people you once considered your family? The people who once loved and supported you now look away when you talk and pretend they don't even see you. How devastating that must be for our little country cop. No wonder he jumped at the chance to investigate something new and different. This is the Dark Inheritance Podcast, a serial about family, hate, and magic. Last time on Dark Inheritance. Her mother was right. She should have never come back. Kate glanced in the rearview mirror one more time as the car neared the creek, watching the thick tangle of trees obscure her view of the road. It was like watching dirt being thrown on top of a grave. No sadness, no relief, just numbness and a vague sense of impatience. Her stomach growled and she had an intense flush of desire for fast food, something greasy, something to tell her she was alive. She just wanted to leave it all behind. A rush of electricity ran down her arms and pulled in her hands, a memory of the magic she used to have. It brought with it old remembered pain that pricked at her fingers. She clenched the steering wheel harder, stealing her jaw against the hurt. But the memory of pain blossomed into real pain and she gasped the sudden sensation of skin tearing. The steering wheel grew hot under her hands. It took her a second to realize that it wasn't the steering wheel that was hot. It was her hands. It felt like they were on fire. Chapter 6 Tad In the end, he left her with his card, telling her to give him a call if she needed to talk, or if she saw anyone poking around the wreckage. The image had stirred something basic in him and he was anxious to leave. The drive back to East Huntington wasn't long, but he couldn't get the image of the snake out of his head. In an effort to distract himself, he ran through a mental list of things he needed to do before he clocked out for the day. He pulled into the station's parking lot and killed the engine. His dad's truck wasn't there. That wasn't a surprise. His dad hadn't done a full day's work since Tad was in high school. These days, if it wasn't hunting, his dad wasn't interested. Tad nodded to Carl on his way through the reception and made his way to his desk in the back corner of the small room that served as a workplace for the officers. It wasn't really a desk, more like a table that had been repurposed to give him a place for to put his things. When he sank into his chair, it leaned back dangerously far before he shifted his weight forward. He'd never tested the chair to see if it would actually topple over, but he didn't feel like testing his luck today. The first thing he did was check the weather reports for Tuesday night. As he sifted through the reports from the local meteorological center, his mind kept wandering back to Simone Calhoun her matter-of-fact way of talking about demons. It struck him as abnormal, but his gut told him that something was going on there. He pulled up the records of the local citizens and entered her name into the computer. Nothing came back, not even a speeding ticket. Hey Mike, he called to the portly salt and pepper man sitting on the other side of the room. They were the only two officers there just then, but it still took a second call for the older man to respond. It was little things like that that got to him. 
Before he joined the force, Mike had been an uncle to him, but now he barely acknowledged Tad's presence. Mike sighed loudly. What's up, kid? Know anything about Simone Calhoun? She lives up on Black River Road next to that house that exploded. You still working that? Mike sounded cross. I thought the fire marshal's office was taking over. Just following up the 911 call. So, Calhoun, know anything? Mike leaned back and scratched the stubble along his jaw. Name sounds familiar. I think I went to school with her. Or maybe someone else in our family. She got any siblings? Tad shrugged. Carla came around the corner from her desk at reception, her arms full of folders. Carla may have been old enough to be Tad's mother, but that didn't stop her from dressing like she was still 16. Her flip-flops smacked against the bottom of her feet as she walked, and her fruity perfume immediately filled the small room. Hey, Carla, Mike said, drawing her attention. Does the name Simone Calhoun mean anything to you? She flopped several files in front of Mike. Sure. Tad perked up. You know her? She nodded. Yeah, I dated her brother back in the day. She shook her head. That whole family is batshit crazy. That was just what he was afraid of. Tad sank back into his chair and it wobbled under his weight. What kind of crazy, Mike asked. Regular crazy or crazy crazy? Carla snorted and handed a single folder to Tad. He flipped it open. It was next week's assignments. He put it aside. Dancing under the moon talks to crystals kind of crazy, she said. Mike grunted. One of those then. She nodded. Tad looked between them. He was missing something. I don't get it, he said. One of what? They looked at each other, sharing a glance. Nothing, Mike said the same time Carla said, witches. Tad frowned at them. Witches, he repeated. Mike scowled at Carla. They're not witches. She shrugged. They think they are. While Carla and Mike agreed to disagree on the topic, Tad tapped his pen against his lips, mauling over what he knew about Simone. The demon thing definitely leaned towards the whole witch idea, but he didn't know that much more about the woman other than she liked plants and burnt incense. Still, it sat on his mind. Tad's girlfriend in college had liked to frequent a shop that catered to the mystic crowd, selling everything from crystals and dried herb blends to pentagrams and occult statues. Anne had liked the delicate hanging glass globes they sold. The owners were a mother and daughter pair of hippies that had always smelled like patchouli and weed. When he thought about it, Simone Calhoun reminded him of that mother and daughter. Maybe he was just grasping on the stereotypes, but at least it was something. The phone in the corner of his desk lit up, the blinking light indicating that it was Carla back at the front desk. He picked up the handset. What's up? He asked. I got a call in line one for you. Who is it? Didn't say. And then, before he could say anything else, she hung up and the line immediately transferred to him out of the audible click. This is Officer Shannon, he said into the receiver, scrambling to find a pencil amid the papers cluttering his desk. Hi, Simone Calhoun said quickly. Her voice shook like she'd had too much coffee. She rushed on before he could greet her, her words fast and running into one another. You told me to call you any time if something looked out of place? He sat up straighter and the chair wobbled beneath him. What's happening? He could hear her hesitation and the nervous breaths she took. Then she spoke. It's back. So welcome to the end of episode six. And you can pretty clearly see Tad is struggling to fit in with the other police in the county office. As the son of a chief, he grew up idolizing most of them and they 
they loved him in return. He was this little kid that would like was just adored them and was like he would follow them around and do stuff and to him it was kind of to them he was kind of like I guess like a puppy a bit um he was he was their mascot he he was always there and he loved them and they loved him but then he decided he wanted to be a cop too because he grew up just idolizing these people and all he ever wanted to do was to be like them because he was having a rough childhood between his parents' divorce and they were the people he latched onto. But when he graduated from the academy, his dad pulled some strings to get him hired at his branch and things just went south from there. At first, I'm sure it felt like a dream come true to Tad. I mean, he was able to work with the men and women who were basically already his chosen family. But then something, something went wrong. And knowing Tad, he was probably just too good. He was, I don't know, to use some um, stereotypes, he was like too squeaky clean or too by the books. He, he did things in a new way and he was very thorough and he wanted to be like this, these men and women. So he was trying his best to be his idealized version of them. And this attitude eventually rubbed the others the wrong way because they were older and set in their ways. And here was this kid who thought he knew everything coming in and trying to, I don't know, maybe clean up the office or tell them what, how things should be done. Maybe they were too lenient. He was too like, no, it's got to be done this way because that's the law, you know, because that's, that's the kind of guy that Tad is. He's the, this is the law we need to follow this. He's that kind of guy. Um, and they began to ostracize him. They started treating him like he was still a kid, like he didn't know anything. And they talked down to him and acted like he wasn't a real cop, even though he went through all the years in the academy. So he was, I guess, ultimately, he was the new generation and they were threatened by him because he represented something that they could never grasp because he was I don't know he was the new guy and he went through the academy after them he knew the new ways of doing things not the ways that they were taught and not the ways that they had developed to work within the county um, it must have been devastating for him and it was devastating for him because it was it was so bad that at the beginning of the story um, I don't know if any of you caught this but he was thinking about asking for a transfer he he knew he should ask for a transfer but he, knowing he should ask for a transfer and actually doing it are you know very two different things i mean anybody can tell you that thinking when something and actually doing something very different i mean i have a pile of dishes in the sink right now and i'm thinking about washing them but actually doing them is going to take a chunk of time on my day that i'm not willing to sacrifice at this point it's the same thing with tad he knows if he asks for a transfer that would mean he would have to ask his dad to approve the transfer. And that's where things would get very messy for Tad. Because Tad and his dad have, I don't they have a very rocky relationship at, at best, probably. Um, his dad, I think at first was very proud of Tad and he obviously pulled some strings to get Tad into his branch. Um, because this was his son and look what he did. But I think his dad, maybe likes the idea of something rather than the reality of something like so many people i'm sure we all know 
Um, and Tad has Tad and his dad have not had a great relationship, and it probably stems stems all the way back from when um, Tad's parents divorced um, back in the early uh, probably nineties, according to his age. Um, Tad's Tad uh, he was probably a rebellious teenager um, in in the nineties, and he didn't you know he just did I don't know rebellious teenager stuff so. He and his dad have never really gotten over that um, th that roughness in the relationship. It's probably kind of very cordial, and neither one of them approves of the other one. Um, like uh, in in the first Tad episode, I think we mentioned that uh, Tad's dad would rather be out hunting or fishing rather than doing his job. Um, Tad's dad has gotten to the point of his life where he feels like he's earned it and he doesn't want to work anymore. And Tad's there trying his very best to be a good little cop and follow all the rules and then there here's his dad just kind of dodging all of them so he can go do his own thing as he approaches retirement um oddly enough tad also does not have a great relationship with his mother which you think if he didn't have a great relationship with his father was probably because he sided with his mom during the divorce but that wasn't so tad was a teenager when they divorced and kind of in the prime teenage years where he didn't like anybody and relationships with both of his parents soured um his mom is a very nominal part in the story uh I think at most we get a couple mentions of, oh, I didn't know you knew my mom, but you know, how would he know because he doesn't talk to his mom, that kind of thing. Um, like I said, she's a nominal character. She remarried to someone else and she currently lives up in um, another another town, one of, the, one of the bigger towns outside of um, Eliasboro is where this, uh, this police station is in. Um, Eliasboro is the where the police station is is kind of like the, the mid the county seat and East Huntington is the town where the the Reese Hill resides um, they're both in the same county and um, Tad working with the sheriff's office kind of covers the whole the whole thing um, so even though he didn't have a good relationship with either his mother or his father he did the people he did latch on to were, unfortunately, the men and women in in the station. Um, those were the people, th that was his chosen family. Those were the people he emulated and the people who he relied on to get him through the emotional times that he was having a hard time with. So, um, unfortunately, when they turned their backs on him, that was just, that was awful. It was totally awful for poor Tad. Um, so now he's at the point where he's turning away from that childhood dream of working with them and this new path is being laid out in front of him and knowing his character and how he relates to things he is going to throw himself onto this new path and he's going to work hard with everything he's got he's going to be the best damn cop that he can be and he doesn't know it yet but soon that job is going to start involving witches and magic and stuff like that um it's it's too bad actually this this is tad's like lifeline something that he can do outside of the station to help somebody and it's too bad that this new path is really dangerous um he's gonna do things he never thought he'd do and he's gonna cross lines that he would have never imagined himself crossing it is going to push a lot of his boundaries 
in different directions and it's it's gonna change him and i think in the end that's gonna scare the shit out of him so thank you for making it this far in episode five episode six not episode five thank you for making it submit so, so thank so thank you for making it this far in episode six if you'd like to support the podcast please visit darkinheritance.com and follow the links to patreon where you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month um that will get you a shout out in the credits like a personal thank you for supporting this project of mine um every little bit helps and thank you for coming this far and listening to this story it is really appreciated Dark Inheritance was created by DM Zbarth. Theme music was created by Vierinen and Philip Mariani. Special effects were created by Tippa Sound, Zombie Unit, and Red Octopus. Special thanks to all the subscribers who make this podcast possible. <laughs>